as I was studying, I'm going to give you three verses today. I like numbers. And I like how numbers sometimes play a pattern. And so, today's first verse is going to come out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. The second one's going to come out of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. So, we're going to flip those two verses and chapters around and add one. And the third one's going to come out of Romans 6, verse 13. So, now that might not mean anything to you. To me, I like numbers. 11, 12, 13. Say 11, 12, 13. All right. So you're going to remember that. A year from now, you're going to be like, what was that? You're going to remember three verses. Hebrews 11, 6. Hebrews. All right, you ready? Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, let's read that together. We'll throw it on the screen. Ready? One, two, three. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he All right, let's do that again, and let's synchronize just a little bit better. Let's act like we did pay attention in third grade when we were learning how to read. I'm joking. Are you ready? One more time. One, two, three. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe, and that he is a rewarder of them diligent. <laughs> Amen. I think that went worse than better, but, you know, you get a bunch of people doing something simultaneously, all these personalities jump in. One person that used to be the studious one in class, they try to jump ahead and lead everybody. Some people not too sure they're going to be the slowest one, but without. Those who are musical, they're going to try to sing it. They're going to try to do it with a little note. Have you noticed that? But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Those who've got a lot of preaching, them will start going, mm -hmm. yeah. Without faith, without faith, it's in some. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. We've kind of emphasized this last part for the last few weeks, that he is a rewarder of those. So one of the things for us, for you and I, to please God, because without faith it's impossible to please Him, is that we have to have faith. And more deeper level of that understanding is that when we come to God, because if you don't believe that He is, you won't come to Him. Too many Christians sit back waiting for God to do everything. I'll just do my thing, and if God wants to do something, He can interrupt me, and they're waiting for God to interrupt them, and they've never tried to interrupt God and say, wait a minute. But James tells us that we need to draw near to God so that he can draw near to us. Amen. He'll never override, say with me, God will never override, God will never override my, choices. my choices. So when things happen, it doesn't mean God planned them, though he might allow them. You might leave this place, God forbid, and go rob a bank, and God would allow you to rob a bank. But that didn't mean God planned for you to rob a bank, or God wanted you to rob a bank, or God you hear me? said, go for it, because if God wanted you to rob a bank and you robbed the bank, why would we throw you in jail? But without faith, it is impossible. God will never override, so he waits for us to initiate the Word of God, tells us, to initiate the process so he can respond. Because if you don't initiate and he responds without you initiating, then he's overriding the thing called your choice. And God will never override your choice. 
You can't make somebody go to heaven. You can't make somebody serve God. You can't make, God will never override their choices. And if God won't override their choices, we can't either. We can pray for them and pray that the Lord of the harvest send people into their path and speak words of new season and bind the enemy that would blind their minds. But you can't force them to serve God. Religion has proven that. And religion has produced a generations of people that have been molded by a perception but have no, no reality within the context of who they are. So there's no meaning. That's not something new. That goes all the way back into the days of Jesus. And he said to the Pharisees and Sadducees, you look the part. You look the part, but on the inside, you're dead men's bones. Which means there's no life on the inside, though you look like you've got it all figured out. Jesus, I mean, most of us, we think that Jesus was politically correct, that if you're going to love everybody, kumbaya, let's all get along. Jesus would say some stuff to some people that would make some of us back up and say, mm, I, you know, I don't really know if I'm with them. I'm just going to stand back and just act like a crowd. Have you ever been with somebody and they begin to speak up and you're like, mm, I feel a sense of confrontation coming on. I'm just going to back up and just watch this. I don't know why they said that. I mean, Jesus would look at, in that culture in that day, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were prominent people. They were like celebrities. And he would look at them and say, you are acting just like your father, the devil. Oh, that went over well. Taxi. Donkey. Anybody, get me out of here. He's going to get us all killed because he spoke the truth in love, but it didn't always feel good. We've got this thing about love totally confused and mixed up sometimes. We think love needs to always give us a warm and fuzzy. Okay, moving right along. For he that cometh to God, so we can't, God's not going to override our will, so he looks for us to initiate. And some of, some of you might think, well, what about Saul? He interrupted his journey. You've got to understand, Saul was on a journey who later became Paul. Saul, in his perspective, though it was incorrect, was zealous for God. In his own writings, he said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, concerning the law, blameless. But I consider all that stuff is done now. But what he was doing is he was pursuing God with all his heart, though incorrectly. Some of us... Spiritual leaders, I might, I'll say it this way. Some of us in leadership in the church world, not only just hope, but globally, those who are watching online, some of us in the church world, sometimes we need to back up a little bit and be more interested in the heart and the zeal of a person than the outward perception. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying sin is okay. But for some people, it is all about the polished performance and not the person and the presence on the inside. Because you, you give me somebody who's sincere in their heart toward God, and they're zealous for God, and have them all jacked up. You know what's going to happen? Same thing that happened to you when you were all jacked up serving God. The Holy Spirit has a way of cleaning us up and walking us through the process and getting us right with Him. Amen? But sometimes when we're, we're looking just the outward, people, have you learned? Even kids are smart. Little children can figure out the dynamic in the house. My daughter's 17 now, but when she was young, she figured out. Dad was the one to always say yes. Dad, can I have? Sure, whatever you want. It was mom that, so she had figured out if she got a no from mom, she'd try to come to. Kids have a way to figure things out. The 
people have a way of figuring out even the, the system, you might say, of a typical church world. And they know how to act a part on a certain day. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And not live and be the part right. all the days. So God looks for us to initiate. Let's get back into the word. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So that was Hebrews 11.6. Let's flip that chapter and verse around and go to Hebrews chapter 6 and look at verse 12. And that says, it'll show on the screen, that you be not slothful or lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. So we can't sit back and say, I'm just going to let... Do nothing and let God, if God wants me to have it, it'll happen. No. If God doesn't want me to have it, it won't, you know what I mean, it just won't work out. No. That's allowing the circumstance to define the will of God, not the Word of God defining the will of God. Because if everything that happens is the will of God, then people going to hell must be the will of God. And it's not, for the Bible says it is the will of the Father that none should perish but all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And so just because something happened doesn't mean it's the will of God. Someone robs a bank, it's not the will of God. Though he, he allows it because of the, the, the age that we are in. But judgment will come one day from heaven. Hasn't happened yet. Now there's consequences for what you sow you shall reap. But there's coming judgment. But right now we're in the age of what you might call grace. It doesn't mean sin is okay and everything goes. It means there's a season to repent. But Matthew 25 is very specific. There will come a time where the door is closed and there'll be people outside the door, just like they were outside the door of Noah, knocking, knowing, wanting, but could not get in. Because when God creates judgment and passes judgment, judgment from heaven's perspective is not, oh, I'm going to appeal to a higher court. He is the highest court. And there's no higher court. And when he brings judgment, it's final. Oh, God's judging the land. No, God hasn't started judging the land because when he judges it, it's final. It doesn't matter if it's a hurricane, tornado, a virus, whatever. When God judges it, if God was judging the land based on sin, then there's a lot of points of history he should have judged people that you don't see judgment. It's because the judgment of heaven has not happened yet. Because when God judges, it's so what happens with people that deal with stuff? Well, sometimes there's stuff that, ha that people just deal with. Jesus said, in this world you'll deal with trials and tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. Yeah. But you all have to understand that there's also consequences. What you sow, be not deceived. God is not mocked, the Bible says. What a man sows, that shall he reap. Yeah. He that sows to the flesh shall reap from the flesh, from, from the flesh corruption and death. He that sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit life. So life is available, but it's all about how you initiate the action. If you never pray, if you never spend time in the Word, if you only show up to church, and I know I'm talking to the choir right now because you guys are here, but if you find someone that they go to church maybe Christmas and Easter, and they, they never read the Bible, they never spend time pursuing God, and they're crying about God not intervening in their life, it's not God's fault, it's their fault. Exactly. They are disconnected from him. Yes. It's getting quiet. Find somebody who never sows to the, the, the things of God or never, and that's just not money. Now, money can be included. But can you imagine call, uh, calling up a broker and say, I want to make a withdrawal from my portfolio, okay? Yeah, I see your account. I see your account name. But you know what? You've never put money in there. Well, they told me that you would help me get rich. I want some of that money. 
Yeah, but I can't do it without your initiation. You have to make an investment so we have something to work with. Say, God, need, God needs something to work with. You don't believe me? Every miracle throughout Old Testament and New Testament begins with something they have. Jesus said to the disciples with the little boy's lunch, what do you have? Jesus told the man with the withered hand, pull out your hand. Why would Jesus ask the man to pull out the frailty of who he is? So that, and the reason is so that it was, one, him giving God permission to do what only God could do. Sometimes we don't want to expose the vulnerability of our problems. And it doesn't mean you have to make it public to everybody, but God will ask you to do something in the natural so that he can do something in the supernatural. Lazarus, remove the stone. There's always a condition to anything. Anytime there was not an instruction to the miracle, it was because the person had already, out of revelation of faith, initiated it and began to pursue and touch the hem of his garment. Wow. Begin to say, you don't even have to come to my house, the centurion soldier said. Just speak the word only. And we see the power of God operating when we welcome and invite the power of God into our life. Amen? So it's not just saying, God, I'm going to do something. I need you to fix it and make it work. It's about saying, God, show me what to do. I'm going to pursue you. And I need you to guide me so that I can unlock what is available. Revelation 3, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my, not knock, the voice, and open up, I can come in. If you do not open up, even though you hear the voice and the knock, he can't come in. Why can't Jesus just walk through the door? I've seen it in the Bible. Because he will not override your will. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But in rewarding, receiving the reward, there is a process of faith and patience. Now, the Amplified Classic says not only uh, patience, it says patience and waiting. Say waiting. waiting. Nobody likes a waiting room. Right. <laughs> Went to Culver's last night, waited 40 minutes. Oh, my Jesus, help me. <laughs> it's a drive through all I could think of, my brother's Chick-fil-A would never do this. I would be home eating, watching TV right now. Come on, somebody. They clock it. He knows it's like one and a half minutes, and bam, they are out. Over there, it's like, pull over there, and there was 15 cars ahead of us in parking lot. No one likes waiting. We definitely don't want to wait on important things. But there is a process of waiting. Well, why? I don't always know why. Something's going, happening. It, and it could be different for each person. The waiting might be connected just like it was to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, though he began to experience the miracle in his own, his own life, he had to wait for Sarah to catch up. So sometimes it's who we're partnering with that are maybe straggling. Don't look at your spouse right now. Bad time. February, Valentine's Day. Don't mess it up right now in one moment. That'll take you years to get out of. There's all, all different reasons why there might be a waiting period. We don't know. But there's still a waiting period. God is working behind the scenes, working in your life. There might be, might be Noah waiting for the boat to be built and then finding out, waiting for the rain to come. I don't know why. But in the waiting period, in the waiting room, in the waiting moment, what do we do? What should we do? Because it's in this waiting area 
that is very pivotal, pivotal, important, because it's during that period consistency makes the difference. It's in that period of time where the enemy will try to steal, kill, and destroy. Your greatest opportunity to compromise will be on the doorstep of victory. So it's right before it's about to happen, the enemy begins to charge the strongest. I remember years ago, I was walking through my office, and again, this stuff doesn't happen every day. I wish it did, and some people say it does, and some people are just smoking marijuana that just became legal in the state of Missouri. (laughs) Did I say that out loud? Uh, You know, some people just say too much pizza before they went to bed, and they got the weirdest dreams and everything else, and they just, just, but I was walking through my office, minding my own business, and I heard the Spirit of the Lord say so clearly, there's a moment of nothing before the everything. Can you stand in the silence without jumping too soon? There's a moment of nothing. When did Jesus come? Jesus came in the fullness of time. But he came right in when there was what they would call the dark ages, no new revelation. There's a moment of nothing before the everything. Can you stand in the quiet or can you stand in the silence without jumping too soon? Some of us jump too soon from the receiving of our miracle because we felt it was taking too long. And the reason we think it is taking too long is because that's how the enemy will work. Those little small ideas and thoughts. That's why you have to pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations and reasonings and any high thing that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, the Bible says, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of God in Christ Jesus. Because the devil doesn't always come in with full power. Sometimes he comes in with the simple question, if you are the son of God. What did he approach Eve with in the garden? Does God really not want you to eat that fruit? And she said, yes, God says we're not supposed to eat it nor touch it. And in the moment he had her when she spoke, look this up in your own, in Genesis, look this up, look this up. Because what you'll find out in the King James translation, two references to God, one is the Lord God and one is God. And what he knew about Eve in the moment was two things. One, she didn't know what God had said because God never said, don't touch the fruit of this tree. It was Adam's responsibility to manage the tree. Because I I believe, and you can disagree with me, that in every covenant, and this is what they call the Adamic covenant, in every covenant there is a tithe which means it's not necessarily monetary, but a thing where God's saying, I'm your provider, but there's something I'm putting in your hands to manage that belongs to me. Don't consume it. Adamic, Abrahamic, Moses and the law and the New Testament, Hebrews 7, chapter 7 and verse 8. And he knew by her words that we're going somewhere now. He knew by her words He knew by her words 
But no, I, I, I really didn't mean what I said. You know what I mean? I, I, I think different. I really believe different. He knew from her words, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will. He knew from her words two things. One, she didn't know the, the word of God. Because God never said, don't touch it. They had to touch it to manage it. She also knew, and again, challenge everything that's said by me and anybody, and that's an important thing for your spiritual growth. Don't take anybody's word when it comes to your eternity and, and your relationship with God. She knew, he knew, number one, that she did not understand the word of God. Number two, he knew that she did not have a relationship with God. Right. How do I know that? Because when he approached her, he basically, I'll say it in, in English, when he approached her, he approached her and said, did the creator say... Adam didn't just have a relationship with the Creator. He had a relationship with the Father. He was Jehovah. And that's why you'll see in the King's English, go back and do, you know what I mean, today, today you have it so easy. We are so spoiled. I remember when my dad taught me how to go to the original language, and we would have to go to the Hebrew or the Greek. I mean, it was like a major book concordance, and you have to find that verse and go to the original and, and read it. Nowadays, you can just Google it. And they have it online, all these dictionaries. You pull up the verse and click on it. So if you're like, I don't have time, then, you know I mean, God bless you. You don't have time to know what's going on. But if you go to, you'll see the phrase in the King's English, God and Lord God. One refers to the relationship, Father God. One relationship is his creator. All creation had to respond to God as he was the creator. They did not have a relationship with him beyond that. Man was created in his own image as sons and daughters of the Most High God. So they not only knew God as creator, they knew him as father. It was a relationship. And so when Eve spoke, he knew he had her by her words because she said, yes, she didn't say the father, she said the creator has said, we can't eat it nor touch it. She added, you know, some people, you don't have to talk, you just let them talk long enough and they will expose the, the essence of their heart. Just kind of look at it. Before you answer, just, just pause. Just teach yourself to pause. And some people, if they're guilty, they will begin to speak like nobody. I mean, it, it is the most interesting thing. Just smile at them and then pause and get silent. There's a moment of silence. And in the silent, they'll begin to speak. You don't even have to tell your kids, did you do it? You just look at them. Give it a minute. Okay, I did it. They must know. People will tell on themselves. She told on herself because out of her mouth, he knew he had her. And he knew he could deceive her because she didn't know the word and she didn't, know the, didn't have a relationship with God. She said, yes, the creator said she should have known the word. And that falls onto Adam's responsibility too. He should have connected her to, to God. Some of us don't want people. This is a danger in the church world with pastors. They don't want the people to know Jesus. They just want the people to connect to them. And they tell them about Jesus. They work on second-hand information. And that's dangerous. It's my goal for you to know Jesus. I feel like one of the things a pastor should be doing is almost like John the Baptist. You know, I mean, you get people's attention saying, now here's the Lamb of God. Here's the one you need to be following. We need to connect you and then step out of the way. That doesn't mean that we're not relevant. That doesn't mean that we're not important. The, the thing is that Jesus is the most important. Can I get an amen? Yes. So getting back to the text, thank you for the three people that agree with that. The rest of you are looking for somebody. 
Patient endurance while waiting, or and waiting. While you wait, what should we do? While we wait. Pastor, I'm believing. I'm asking. I'm praying. What do I need to do? Because it's in that waiting time, the devil will th throw a question at you. Throw a symptom at you. What's coming out of your mouth? And what comes out of your mouth, he can identify where you're at. Because you, you listen to me? Because the devil doesn't know everything. Do you understand that? They, they operate in this realm of, the, of a spiritual realm because they're spiritual beings. You're a spiritual being too, but you also operate in the natural because you're a physical being. But the devil doesn't know everything. He is not the creator. He's a created being. He knows by what's coming out of your mouth. Some of us made the devil so big and God so small. Now God knows. Your heavenly father, he knows everything. He knows everything before you say it or do it. Doesn't mean he approves of everything. But he knew you would need a savior. Can I get an amen? amen? And even if you're saved and you sin, then you need to repent, 1 John 1, 9. And he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Getting back to Ephesians chapter 6, I'll just read verse 13. Wherefore, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. So there will be opportunities of the enemy to attack Sometimes with pressure, sometimes with questions, trying to see what you'll say. Because he's looking, he's probing to see what comes out of your mouth. What do you say? Oh, Peter, Jesus said, the devil has desired to sift you, but I pray that your faith does not fail. Faith, what is faith? Oh, that's just believing, not just believing. It's believing and obeying and speaking. Romans tells us, for we have this spirit of faith. We have believed, therefore we have spoken. Oh, that's about salvation. Don't stop the verse yet. We believe, therefore we speak. So what I believe out of the abundance of the heart, I'll not only do, I'll begin to speak. What was, what was Peter's problem? It's what came out of his mouth. For he said, he denied the Lord three times. Right. And literally, he not only, and some people in the text it says that he cursed. Literally, he wasn't saying profanity. Peter's own words got him in a corner of impossibility. Because Peter not just, not only said, I don't know Jesus, and denied him. And it was after he had told Jesus, we will die before we let anybody, anything happen to you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the morning shows up, before the cock cries out, you're going to deny me three times. Lord, I'll never do it. Okay. My confidence is in my flesh. I'll never. No, our confidence should be in him. I can do all things through Christ. And Peter talked, him in, talked himself. Is this okay? We're just kind of teaching today. But Peter talked himself into a corner because not only he, did he deny Christ, he literally, when it references in the King James translation that he cursed, what he literally said is, if I know him, may I be cursed to hell. Talk about talking yourself into a problem. 
Sometimes the human side of us, we will open our mouth and not only insert our foot, we'll insert the foot, the boot, the leg. We'll cram so much stuff in there that we are. And so, so think about what Peter was going through. And I believe that's why after the resurrection, Jesus told the ladies, go tell the disciples and Peter. Saying, Peter, you screwed up with your mouth, but I'm still going to forgive you and I'm going to use you. And what did God use on the day of Pentecost? Peter's, his mouth, his words. Peter began to speak up where before he denied to a servant girl. Now he stood up and spoke amongst the leaders of the land. God can turn it. Say, God can turn this thing around. Are you listening to me? God can turn your situation around. He doesn't need the 90 days or the 9 years or the 90 months or whatever the world will tell you is needed to turn the situation around. Sometimes we are waiting on the timeline of the expectation of the world or the medical field or people or it's going to take you X amount of time before you can start walking again. That's a lie of the devil. That's their expectation. I'm telling you, your Heavenly Father has the ability. He can turn this thing around faster than you realize, sooner than you can recognize. When you begin to say, God, I'm going to begin to open and expect what you what you are saying and line my words up not with what the doctor's saying and praise God for doctors we have great doctors even in house Dr. Rob stand up I'll use you again this is Dr. Rob Elder he's a chiropractor he's a fellow in his field he is the elite when it comes to chiropractors he's a great guy man of God amen doesn't mean he's perfect nobody is but he knows his stuff and if you ever and I remember years ago that I used to go, go to him on a regular basis if I had a pain. And I'd say, I'm ready to get popped. And he said, oh, no, 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 we don't crack or pop. Don't use that word. What's the word? Adjustment. <laughs> See, I'm, even I am learning. It's what? It's called an adjustment. 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 That's important to know. Because sometimes in our lives, it's just not our spine that's out of alignment. That needs an adjustment. Because if it's out of alignment and it needs an adjustment and doesn't get adjusted, what happens? The flow of the blood and nourishment doesn't flow freely as it's designed to flow by the creation of God. So there's something hindering God's flow. Now, I've used the other illustration of if you have a rubber band tied around your wrist and the blood is not circulating to your hand, it will eventually go numb. And you can pray, oh, God, remove, or oh, God, give me more blood. And God's like, you don't need more blood. There's enough blood in your system to flow to every finger that you have. What you need to do is remove the restriction. So in the process of time, while I'm waiting, the enemy could be attacking, but we have to step into what? What we are saying, because what we are saying makes a difference. Let me clarify that, because it goes on and talks about the armor of God, which is important. The helmet of salvation, we'll get into that later. The covenant mindset, the truth of God's word. I like going from top to bottom, just the way I think, so it helps me memorize it. So the helmet of salvation, what is it? The breastplate of righteous, loins good about truth, feet shot of the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taken the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit, and the sword of what? The spirit, which is the word of God. The only offensive weapon that's listed here. It's the armor of God, the sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit, it's not your words, it's his words. It's the sword of the spirit. It's like if you got a new car, it's your car. 
car. I can't say, wow, that's a new car. I'm going to drive it. It's not my car, though it is a car, and you might have a car, and you might have a new car, but if you don't have the key to that car, you shouldn't. It doesn't belong to you. Stay out of it. Are you with me? And so you can pick up somebody else's sword, and it's not your sword, and if it's not your sword, you can try to use it, but you are using it illegally, and there's a lot of people in the church world that are trying to do stuff, and it's not theirs. They're trying to to make it, fake it, and try to broker it out to other people and sell it, but it's not your sword. It's his sword, and it doesn't become your sword, and Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us, and the secret things belong to the Lord, and the things revealed belong to you. Ownership comes by revelation, but when you get revelation on the word of God, what you say makes a difference, because now it's just not the Holy Spirit's sword. It's your sword. And the Spirit of God dropped this in my heart just a couple weeks ago. What it, what's one of the purposes of the sword? One of the purposes, are you ready for a deep thought? One of the purposes of the sword is to cut stuff. Anybody like me thought that was a pretty deep revelation? But we don't know what we're cutting. We're walking around with a, a sword that's sharpened. That originated from the heart of God. Because the spirit in the Hebrew is ruach, the breath of God. And we're trying to utilize a sword we don't even know what to cut. And you give a kid the wrong weapon. They're going to hurt themselves. What am I supposed to cut? What am I supposed to cut? In the waiting time, what am I supposed to cut? What should, what should we cut? Let me read it this way. For this reason, the Bible says, was the Son of Man manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Acts 10 and 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with, and with power, who went about doing good, healing those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. What am I cutting? You are cutting the restrictions that the enemy created in your life. Amen. So if, you're, if your hand is swelling numb because there's a restriction on the flow of blood on your arm because of whatever it might be to restrict, because that's what the, the devil does. He restricts. Yeah. He restricts. Yeah. He restricts. What does God do? He frees. The devil condemns. God restores. Romans 8, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are under Christ. Why? Because we walk by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? The devil restricts. God releases. If you continue in my word, Jesus said, to those who believed already. If you continue, he's talking to believers. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The truth sets you free. It doesn't condemn you, it frees you. It doesn't imprison you, it frees you. It doesn't make you harder, it makes you more sensitive to God. It doesn't make you dumber, it should make you smarter. Thank you over here for the one person that likes, people are like, smarter? What's that mean? 
So the sword of the Spirit can be used to remove the restrictions that the devil's been created in your life so that you can have what God has already prepared for you. For eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither is it the heart of men the things that God has prepared. And so when God has prepared it, it belongs to you. Amen. It belongs to you. Amen. It belongs to you. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give, give us a couple things you got to draw from that verse. Number one, you have to know who you're going to. Who's your source? Who's your source? You wouldn't say give us if he didn't have it. To approach God and request is the expectation that he already has it. He already has it. Amen. He has already, he's prepared a table for you in the midst of the, your enemies. That means you don't have to get everybody to like you before you understand that God already has it for you. Amen. And the Spirit of God spoke to me about three weeks ago about that verse and said, do you realize that the enemy has tables too? God has prepared a table for you in the midst of your enemies. It doesn't mean that's the only table in town. Yeah. Your enemies will have tables too. Yep. You got to choose. I don't want to sit at that table and take anymore, partake right. and eat of that. I need to sit at the table of God. Amen. John 1, Jesus is the light, but men chose darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You can do a whole series on what table are you eating from? The sword of the spear, it removes, it cuts the hindrances of the enemy for what God does. He frees you. He frees you to become all that he has designed for you to become. Though you might not see it in the natural, it doesn't mean that it doesn't belong to you. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this, give us. That means I know for me to ask you for it, you already have it. He's not trying to get it. Your heavenly Father is El Shaddai. The God of more than enough. He already, say he already has it. Not only is it important to know that he already has it, know that he has already provided it to you. Amen. Now it's getting quiet. Because we're waiting for God to give it to us. How can I prove it in that verse? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day, all right, English majors, whose bread? Think about that for a second. Think about it. 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 He didn't say, give us this day your bread. Yeah. Give us this day their bread. Give us this day my bread. I don't want what you have. I want what belongs to me from Amen. heaven. Amen. For he is, the Bible says he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It was already done through the cross of Calvary by Jesus. It's a part of the covenant. He's already prepared. And when you approach God, you can say, Father God, I thank you. You are El Shaddai. You are the God of more than enough. I'm not asking you for something that's not, an, that it, you don't have. It's already in your word. Your promises show me. You have it for me. Now, I understand not only do you have it, I'm asking for it because I understand it already belongs to me. Amen. Say it's mine. It's mine. Say it's mine. It's Mark 11, 23, 24, when you believe that you receive it, then you shall have it. When you believe you have ownership of it, why do I have ownership of it before I can handle it? Because of the covenant of the blood of Jesus. 
What am I doing? I'm going to begin to speak God's Word over my life and begin to operate with the understanding that all that He has belongs to me. In the blood of Jesus. You say, why don't I have it now? It belongs to you. Now you got to learn to access what belongs to you. Hebrews 6.12 and Hebrews 11.33. you got to begin to access what belongs to you. It was in the parable that Jesus said to the prodigal son, the older brother, and said, son, you're waiting for me to give you a goat so you can have a party with your friends. Don't you realize? And he didn't realize. Why? Because he wasn't living in the house with the father. He stayed out in the field with the servants, and he developed a mentality that I'll wait for my father, who's generous, to do something. But the younger son had his own issues. The older son had his set of issues. And his son, he didn't understand the benefits of the father. And the father said, son, don't you realize that all that I have belongs, belongs, belongs to you. If you believe that, take the next 30 seconds and give the Lord a biggest hand clap of praise that it all belongs to you because of Jesus. It all belongs to you. Give us this day our daily bread. Some of us in our mentality, we're waiting for God to do something. We have, and say, God, I need you to do something. You don't say, it's already done. Say, it's already done. And say, it's not only already done, it's mine. Come on, say, it's mine. Say, that healing is mine. Come on, talk to me. Say, that healing is mine. You might not feel it right now, but it still belongs to you. That blessing is yours. You might not have ever experienced it or know anybody who's ever walked in it, but it's still yours. It belongs to you. You can wait till you get to heaven to have it, or you can do, you say, oh, you know, most people believe, yeah, when we get to heaven, there'll be no need. When we get to heaven, there'll be no sickness. When we get to heaven, there'll be no sadness. When we get to heaven, we'll have joy and peace, and most people agree with that. And say, how about on earth? Well, on the earth, we just got to struggle and wait for one day. You can do that and wait till you get to heaven to get it. But I'm telling you, Jesus began to say in one of the samples prayers, what was it? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Come on, church. You gotta, we're going to close this thing out on a high if you'll let me. We're, we got to get to a place of saying, God, I understand that I might not see it in the natural and in the earth, but the Bible tells us to look not to the seen, but to the unseen, because the seen, the natural, three-dimensional world is temporal. It's subject to change. If you don't believe it, start studying quantum physics, and you'll find out the majority of what you know is natural is really unseen. This natural world is majority unseen. God knew it. He created it. All things were created, John 1. All things were created by him and for him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. It's the substance that the natural, tangible hand cannot touch. But the realm of the spirit, you can receive it. Oh, God, it belongs to me. You have to have ownership of it before you can handle it. First John 1, he was, the word came, and they heard it, and they saw it, and they handled the word of life. It's not supposed to stop with you hearing about it. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. It doesn't stop until you can handle it. Yeah. And you can't begin the process until you take ownership of it. Right. Even the, even, even the prodigal son that was jacked up with his motivation understood the process of the father enough that what did he say? Father, I want my inheritance. Yeah. And the father did not deny him. 
some of us think we're being spiritual by being passive and being weak and saying, oh God, if it be your will, it is his will. Because his will is revealed by his word. You, you got to go and say, Father God, I decree over my life that I'm the healed of the Lord. I say I'm healed because you said in Matthew 15, 26 that you would take that sickness away. I say that I'm the healed of the Lord because you said in 1 Peter 2, 24 that by his stripes I was healed. I say I'm the healed of the Lord. Why? Because he said it. Father, it belongs to me according to your word. And I believe I receive it. I take ownership of it. I thank you for it. It comes from you. Now, I'm not trying to beg you for it. I'm not trying to manipulate you for it. I'm not trying to barter with you for it. I'm not trying to earn it. I receive it by God. You am I talking to somebody today. You are not saved because you're a good person. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. You are saved by grace through faith. And that word grace, saved means sozo in the Greek, which encompasses everything in the covenant. Everything in the covenant. You are saved by grace through faith. You are healed by grace grace through faith you are blessed by grace through faith you are prosperous by grace through faith you are victorious by grace through faith you come into this place and realize i have to get my eyes off myself and begin to look unto jesus who is the author and the finisher of my faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and now is set at the right hand of the most high god why we could say jesus show me how to do it i have to get my eye on the prize i gotta look to what he has set before me what belongs to me that healing is mine devil take your hands off my health matthew 18 18 what i bind on earth is bound on heaven loose devil take your hands off my marriage take your hands off my finances take your hands off my thinking take your hands off my emotions i will not be tormented for god has not given me the spirit of fear but of power love and son i know i'm talking to somebody if that's you you better get on your feet and praise him if that's you you better not sit quietly by and let the devil talk you out of it you better let out of your mouth the devil know that you agree with this thing hallelujah while i wait i'm gonna be speaking what god is saying the greek word for confession is homologio to say the same thing devil take your hands off my child take your hands off my school system Take, you'll get into a boldness with the anointing of God. You'll begin to walk the streets. Take your hands off my neighborhood. Take your hands off my government. Take your, the Bible says that if God's people to humble themselves and he will heal their land. Since when do we, we don't have to live and fight the way the world fights. We need to fight the way God called us to fight. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And we lose the darkness, spiritual wickedness, high places. What do we do? We are bringing the alignment. We are bringing the alignment back into our world. We are bringing the alignment of God back into our home. We are bringing the, that doesn't mean you have to be weird or different. That doesn't mean you have to, you, you just don't do what God shows you to do. But we are bringing the alignment of heaven. I call it this we are calling the order of God back into our world. 
I call the order of God back into my marriage. I call the order of God back into your health. I call the order of God back into your finances. I call the order of God back into everything you put your hands to, Psalms 1. I'm just having trouble sleeping. Well, the Bible says he gives his beloved sweet sleep. I call the order of God. What is the order of God? That's the will of God. That's the alignment of God. That's the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom, the order of God, and all these things will be added. Instead of always seeking what you're trying to add, let God add it because there's some things he's trying to add to you that you cannot do it. And if you try to do it, you won't handle it well because you'll take too little and not what he's provided. And you'll brag on the God of little instead of praising the God of more than enough. Get your hands off it, baby. And let God do what only God can do in your life today I call you healed today in the name of Jesus hallelujah hallelujah people will think you're crazy hey don't worry they're crazy themselves you walk around calling yourself blessed when you're struggling trying to meet bills that's the temporary you're speaking to the eternal and you're calling the eternal into the temporary because I know if it's in heaven that kingdom come that will be done on earth if it's in heaven for me I can take ownership and receive it today and I can give God the praise thanks be to God which always causes you to triumph in Christ are you listening to me today look to your neighbor and say it's not over yet I heard a preacher many years ago say this and it stuck with me don't stop playing because it didn't look like you won. You keep playing until you win. It belongs to you. It's your heritage. It's your heritage. Rest in the reality of your portion. It's your heritage. You are the head. I'm speaking over somebody's life. This is the power. You are the head and not the tail. You are above always and never beneath. Does anybody agree with that? Everything you put your hands to shall be blessed of the Lord. Psalms 1-3. You can do all things through Christ, the anointed one. It is anointed. Don't you let them sell you a bag of lies and you begin to adapt to what culture society says. No, you rise up and say, I will be a light to this nation. You stand out. Healed. Blessed. The peace of God. Right now, if you need peace, lift your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, I curse every tormenting spirit, every fear. And we speak and call the order of God into their life right now. The peace of God that exceeds their understanding. We give you thanks. We make our request known. And I think your peace will guard their heart and their mind right now. Father, let that, that anointing and peace just rest right now upon your people. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Somebody here needs peace. I curse and bind that suicide spirit there trying to tell you to take your life. There's no peace in that. You can have victory over that. Say, thank you, Jesus. I receive it. And then you got to speak to the devil. Say, devil, get out of my house. Get out of my life. I rebuke you. And the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Why? Because you've submitted to God. You're not moved by what you feel here. See, you're moved by the word of God. I speak peace and rest right now. There is an anointing of peace that's hitting your life right now. And Father God, let it be more than just this, um, this moment, this experience. Wherever they go, let that peace be like an aroma to every place they go, to every home right now in the name of Jesus, to every work, to every job. 
Some of you, I don't know who this is for, some of you, you have been struggling at work and striving, and you're trying to make them fit into the mold of your prayers. Sometimes it's okay, Jesus said to shake the dust off your feet. But I don't know where I'll go. Let the Lord show you. I'm not saying quit your job and then look. Begin to look. Let God show you. Let him show you. I speak peace into your life right now. The peace of God in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. you may be seated. Give the Lord a hand clap and we're done. Hallelujah. If you bow your head and close your eyes, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm not asking if you have joined the church. This is about a real relationship. I'm not into what I call religion. That's what I define as man's rules to get to God. I'm into a real relationship that God makes himself real to you, that you know what, the way you process, the way you experience, that Jesus is Lord and that he's your Lord and Savior. It's one of the greatest miracles. Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. That means give him an opportunity. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans says, with the heart man believes in the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here, I ask you to examine your heart. Examine your life. Where are you? There's going to be three groups of people. There's going to be one group of people that says, I know that I'm right with God. There's going to be another group of people saying, I really don't, I've been around religion and church, but I don't have a real relationship. And the third group is going to be people that are saying, I used to walk with God, but I've allowed stuff to come between me and God, and I know my heart's not right. Two of those three groups need to pray with me. The other group need to be quietly praying for the other two groups. This is your moment. This is your time. This is your hour. Don't be distracted by anything or anyone. Don't let the enemy try to steal this moment from you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, I want Jesus to be real in my life. I want my sins forgiven. I want a clear, clean conscience. I want to know I'm going to heaven and I'm not going to hell. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to, to come in and be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, look at me. This is just the beginning. You need to plug into the church. You need to get involved. You need to read the Bible. You need to have people you know that are praying with you. Don't let, this, don't let the devil say, okay, I'll let you do it, but we're not coming back. 
No, what you starve weakens and what you feed grows stronger. It's important. It's a relationship ongoing. Never think that you've reached it, that you don't need God and his word and his, and his church. People that think, oh, I don't need church. I watch it on TV are greatly deceived. It's important to be in the house of God. I've never usually, I don't usually say that, but someone needs to hear that today. But I also want to speak a blessing over your life. I believe in these last days as we get closer and closer, to, and the Bible tells us that, it's going to get darker and darker, more evil out in the world. But that doesn't mean that we become timid and quiet and fly under the radar. No, we're called to be brighter and brighter and stronger. So I believe that God is pouring out tenacity. The Bible says that to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I believe that there's a spiritual boldness and tenacity. Some of you are naturally bold. I'm not saying just do it. Some of you are are shy and quiet. That's okay. But the reality is tenacity doesn't mean you have to be loud and brazen. But tenacity is having the ability to say no to sin and temptation. And to rise up and do what God tells you to do. We can't live the, the Ferris wheel Christianity of I'm right, I'm sinning. I'm living for God, I'm sinning. I'm living for God, I'm sinning. I go to church to repent, I'm going back out in the world. The devil will eat your lunch. You have a greater destiny and purpose. It doesn't mean you're called in full-time ministry. Not everybody is, but you are called to make a difference. Say, I'm called to make a difference. I want that so ingrained into every cell of your body that one day when you go on into eternity at your funeral, they'll be like, man, they made a difference. That will live on. So here's what I want. If you prayed that prayer today, and say, Pastor, I was one of those two groups, didn't know the Lord or had walked away, and today I've made things right. I want to speak a blessing over your life. All I want you to do at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. And I know for some of us in my temperament's the same way. I typically don't want to be in a different group of people and stand up. But you know what? If we struggle with that, standing for Jesus in a room that people applaud us, how do we stand for Jesus in a world that doesn't love him and mocks him? Something about the way we cross over into what God has for us. So to count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I want you, now if you're bold, stand quick so the people that are timid will, will get a little courage. But I want you to stand at your feet at the count of three, and I'm going to speak a blessing. We're going to clap. I'm going to speak a blessing, and then you can be seated. We're not going to a side room. I don't do that. That's weird to me. That's just the way I, I think. So at the count of three, if you prayed that prayer and meant business with Jesus, and you want that strength and tenacity on the inside that you can live the life that he has for you at the count of three. And I'm telling you, some of you are going to have stuff that's been hounding you fall off, just going to be broken off when you stand up. It's like the angel telling Peter, stand up. And when he stood up, then the stuff fell. Most of us are waiting for stuff to fall before we stand. God says, stand now, and then things will fall. At the count of three. Uh, There's going to be some deliverances happening right now. Never said that before, but since that, my spirit. At the count of three, some addictions are about to be broken off your life. Some mindsets about to be turned around and changed in Jesus' name. Some attitudes are being aligned. At the count of three, if you prayed that prayer meant business with Jesus... One, I want you to stand to your feet. Two, three, stand now in the name of Jesus. Who am I talking to? Come on, church, give me a hand clap. One, two, three, four, stay standing. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Anybody over here? Some in the, in the overflow. Amen. Stay standing. 
I'm going to give a few more seconds because there's, I know someone on the inside of your heart, you're just battling this. Should I, shouldn't. What will they think? What will they, I'll, I'll give you a few more seconds. Don't miss your opportunity. The Bible says redeem the time. Things happen at the at certain times. Listen to me. Stay standing. Listen to me. One of the things we have to understand about the timing of God is things happen at timings. And it's not a matter of I'll, I'll skip it now and later I'll repent and then I'll do it. It doesn't happen later. There's moments in our timeline that eternity touches. And you have to be quick to move. Ephesians says redeem the time. A few more seconds. Someone's like, oh, I'll just wait. It, it's not going to make a difference. It does make a difference. That's why you're having such a battle on the inside. So maybe it's your pride that needs, needs to be dealt with. I don't know. But there's a battle on the inside, and you're like, I'm just going to hold on a little. You can hold on all you want and split hell wide open. I don't, it's between you and Jesus. But I'm telling you, God has a better plan. I'll give you a few more seconds. Who am I talking to? A few more seconds. And we're going to move on. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You want to know how much Jesus loves you too? You want to know how much the Lord loves you? He not only died on the cross for you, but he would hold up a service with this amount of people just for you. That's how much he loves you. Anybody else before we pray? Thank you. Thank you. A few more seconds. A few more seconds. Somebody over to my right. I don't know who it is. I just feel a tug by the Spirit of God. It might frustrate you because we're messing up the whole lunch lineup, but that's okay. That buffet will still have food when you get there. It's just going to taste better. A few more seconds. Who am I talking to? A few more seconds. You know. Thank you. Thank you. Stretch your hands toward these people. Father, in the name of Jesus, according to your word, I ask you to strengthen them with might. I thank you, Father God. That, thank you for saving them. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. We seal them by your anointing and the precious blood of Jesus into this family. Father God, I thank you. And I ask that you strengthen them with might by your spirit and the inner man. Starting this moment, they're not only saved and right with you, they are bold as a lion. Because the righteous are bold. Thank you for that strength and tenacity on the inside. Thank you that they will stand when they need to stand. Thank you that they will move when they need to move. Thank you, Father God. Anything the enemy has set as assignment against them, we cancel it right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, things that they have tolerated, thinking they had to tolerate, open their eyes and show them that they don't, that they can step away from that. I see some very toxic relationships being untangled right now to your soul. In Jesus' name, I set you free. And Father, I thank you for your strength and your might and your power. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone shouted, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Give them a big hand clap. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're not done. We're going to do communion. The worship team's out here. We're going to ask our communion team to come take their positions. We're going to have you, when they start playing, you can come down, get communion. There's two parts to this. You know, someone told me last time, you know, it doesn't taste that good. I told you it doesn't taste that good. But you know what? This is not lunch. This is representing what Jesus went through. Amen. I'd be concerned if it did taste good. 
represents with the price that Jesus paid for you and I. And the prayer today, what the Lord dropped on my heart for communion is that he's prepared a table. There's other tables out there, but today we are going to rest and sit at the table of heaven. You don't eat standing, you eat sitting down at the table. We're going to rest at the table of God today, amen.